All right. Welcome to the first of hopefully many episodes of Power Hour Live. I'm Alex Epstein, uh, being joined by a bunch of people in the chat room. Got started about a, a minute late, so people were probably a little bit annoyed with that. Sorry. Um, so we're just waiting for people. Uh, but while people are, are coming in, let me just say that uh, a couple years ago, it's, God, it's almost two years ago now, I did a, a New Year's class. Uh, I really like New Year's resolutions, and I like, in general, self-improvement. And it's, it's always been an interest, but particularly once I started Center for Industrial Progress and you know had to do some things that, at least for me, were very difficult, uh, I got a lot better at it, and I learned a lot, and I, I always liked teaching, so I decided to teach a class online. And I found this software called Instant Presenter, uh, which I really like. And I had that, and I think the first one, we maxed out the, the capacity which is 200. We're probably not going to max that out tonight since I sent the I sent the invite about an hour and a half before. Um, but as you'll see, it just allows this amazing level of interaction by you. You can ask questions, you can make comments, even to some degree. Uh, you know, you can cross talk and uh, discuss things with one another, uh, and it's really really fun for me because I get to see what people are thinking and I get to hear people's you know questions and comments uh, real time. And I it, it, it could theoretically be overwhelming, but so far I've found it super, super valuable. And I think people really liked the couple of times we did it, so I really want to try uh, a new format where it's not just me talking and then you listening later and we never, you know, if we get to know each other, it's we happen to meet at a conference or something like that or by email, uh, we can interact real time. All right, so we have 15 people. Uh, let's give it one more minute. Uh, I, why don't we just have fun with the medium anyway? So who has questions about anything? You can ask anything and we'll we'll have fun, see how it goes. Let's see where's my Uh oh. Somebody lost audio? Um what do you I mean, I, have you ever seen this shirt before? Uh, I mean, this, so tell tell me about your shirt. Oh wow, you've never seen it before. So this is yeah, this is the I Love Fossil Fuels uh, shirt. The original logo was designed uh, by my sister Marianne Epstein, who's a really brilliant graphic designer. And I remember I just I had come up with this idea several years ago for we need something that is. Not just not just defending fossil fuels, but having the, the proper enthusiasm for this caliber of energy, improving our lives. So I, I created that campaign, and uh, in the last year, in particular, year and a half, I've taken to wearing a shirt, usually a green shirt, but I'm I'm sitting up against the green screen, so that would be I think really weird if I were wearing the green version. So I'm wearing the white version. Uh, but if you you check out YouTube.com/slash/improve-the-planet, you'll see lots of examples. How often do you practice uh, martial arts? I train jujitsu about when I'm in town, uh, when I'm home, and I, I live in Orange County, about five times a week. And so it's, it's I find it really essential to my well-being. Uh, when I'm on the road, it's really tough, and that yeah, it's one of the things I don't like about being on the road. And I'm about to be on the road for three weeks, so I better figure out a solution. All right. Well, we have 18 people, and Everyone's been able to get in for at least five minutes, so let us get uh, started. But you can 
you know, don't think of it as you don't have to raise your hand. So you can ask things as I go. You can even make comments as I go. Oh, we've got a big question about, you know, this kind of reactor. Yeah, so you, you mentioned that it makes these claims and that it's positioning itself as a solution to man-made uh, climate change. I'm much more interested in solutions to natural climate danger, which has been the real problem throughout human history, and fossil fuels or any form of cheap, plentiful, reliable energy is an essential solution uh, to that. I mean, what what we contribute, which is something, is I think in all of the evidence, relatively speaking, noise compared to just the massive natural climate danger that we have to overcome using a lot of energy and a lot of development. So when a, when a company is introducing a new technology and that's their justification for being, it's, you know, it can be phony. Uh, if it's really motivating them, that's scary. And if it's phony, it's, it's, it's phony. All right, so Stuart Goldsmith purchased a bunch of stickers uh, and used them. And we need to get those things uh, available systematically, but I think if you go to zazzle.com slash I love fossil fuels, they'll pretty much custom make you anything, although it's probably more expensive. All right, let's get started. The reason everyone is here. Um, so I've got this. It's going to be interesting to see how this translates into a listening experience because I still want to publish it on the Power Hour podcast. So I will try to make things explicit. And also for everyone viewing, you need things to be explicit anyway because you're not constantly looking, probably looking at the, the chat as much as I am. Um, so the basic issue, and I, I do want to keep it to about 15 minutes, um, you know, the baseline of it. And then I want to, um, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, take questions. So I have, as you can see, I have a lot of, um, by the way, in, you know, writing class, you're never supposed to say, as you can see. Um, but I think it's safe to say you can see. As you can see, I have a bunch of points here, definitely too many to make in 15 minutes, but I would like to um, have them here because I think they'll come up during, uh, during questions. So what are we going to do about the educational system? This is the thing that always comes up. It comes up a lot, comes up, and justifiably so, because I think a lot of us, uh, particularly you know, if you're philosophically inclined, you know, you have been through an educational system and you see that what the teachers teach and what the students read has a fundamental impact on how people turn out. It's not a completely deterministic system, as we'll discuss, but it, it has a massive, massive influence. And I think this Uh, can you hear me now? Um, not to be biased, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to blame this on uh, the local internet provider. So we're going to definitely get that problem fixed uh, before in Power Hour. You know, it's it's a lot easier to fix. So that's that's very annoying. I apologize for that. Anyway. Um, I think I left off talking about the stories that I hear from people in even the oil industry. Basically, their kids say that that say things like, "Why are you doing something evil?" Which is really sad, but it's also it also shows how strong the educational system is because the parent isn't saying that to the kid. Now, part of the problem I think is that the parent can't make a fully coherent case to the kid. But nevertheless, the parent is going to be generally positive about his industry. And yet the kid and kids generally, you know, despite the sort of teenage rebellion stuff, generally 
want to agree with their parents or, or want to think their parents are good people for sure. And yet the educational system is so off that you get this kind of result. And what's happening is that it's, it's not, it, it's, it's a pervasive systematic problem where the view really at the core, the view of the relationship between human beings and our environment is that human beings are environmentally immoral. That we are by our nature corrupt, we have a sort of environmental original sin, and that things that we do are, you know, when we impact nature, it's inherently bad, and when the rest of nature impacts nature, that's good, that's natural, and so we should strive to be like the rest of nature and be in harmony and just kind of do the same repetitive thing in a very, with a very small footprint. And this is the exact opposite of what you, we used to be taught. You know, whether you're religious or not, I like the, the term, the crown of creation. That's how man used to be viewed. And because this, this is a whole question of, of where this comes from, which is not exactly our topic tonight, but we have a whole system where people are taught that human industry is bad and particularly the use of fossil fuels is bad. And all they can see is negative and they can't see any positive. So you say, hey, look, you know, the oil industry, we, there was a big problem with world hunger and everyone was supposed to starve and the oil industry was instrumental in solving that. Shouldn't that count for something? Nobody learns about it. Nobody talks about it. I certainly didn't learn about it in school, but I did learn that we're running out of resources because of, you know, the greedy oil industry. Now, that, of course, everyone knows about pollution, kinds of catastrophic claims, then of course, climate-related catastrophic claims. So it's just from K through PhD, you're bombarded with the idea that fossil fuels are evil. Um, now, if you don't know, you know, my views on this, then you definitely, ch you can check out alexepstein.com. Of course, this book is coming out, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, which we'll talk about. But um, it is it is so pervasive in the system, and it exists in all sorts of forms. It exists in more intellectual forms, and it certainly exists in the form of propaganda. You have very sort of emotion-laden imagery of man turning the earth into an inferno, and you know it's it's that very powerful kind of imagery and propaganda combined with a very um, pervasive view that this is intellectually supported, this kind of 97% of scientists uh, agree. So if, if you're somebody who supports fossil fuels, it is a huge battle, and the battle, the, the core of the battle is in the educational system. Now, this is a big challenge, and, and I'll even say for, for me it's been a really big challenge, and when I get this question, my, my answer historically has been, well, it is an important thing. I do speak to college students. I hope you know, they buy my book. I hope some of the professors can be reached. Um, but, uh, yeah, Randy, I'll talk about that in a second, how to use logic to argue against emotion. Yes, it is possible, and the two are really uh, are really connected. So there, for instance, their emotional arguments wouldn't work very well if they didn't have the scientific prestige and supposed logic um, behind them. Uh, so in terms of let's see, where was I, the, um, how to reach the students. That was, that's been a problem that has been frustrating to me because I didn't really have a good answer. And particularly at you know, younger ages, high school, some people even ask about elementary school, and I often get, you know, you should write a, you should write a, a children's book. And I think, well, yeah, I could, I could do that, but at, at least it's not really my expertise and there's a lot that would go into that that's different from what I do, but at least if I, if I put together all the stuff as well as I can, 
in a book, which now is the moral case for fossil fuels, then somebody else can do it there. But that had a sort of only semi-satisfying quality to it because the question is, how are you going to get this book disseminated, right? Even if it's, a, you, know, you as a parent can do it your, with your kids and that should be of primary importance to you. In terms of the system though, it's really hard to, it's really hard to, to know what the uh, fix is. Um, so that's, that, and, and you know, you try to talk to professors and we had the experience recently of sending a, an offer of the book to professors and guess how responsive they were compared to, and these are people who study this issue for a living, you know, supposed to become educated. And this is a book, this is a book from Penguin, one of the leading publishers in the world. It's endorsed by, you know, really high level people. Guess what the response was, and this is a real question, of professors compared to students and even high school teachers. All right, so yeah, just, uh, yeah, so try entering in some answers on that. Someone guesses much less from professors. Uh, yeah, so I'm curious for other guesses to come in, but yeah, it was even to me surprising how much less it was from professors. And what that solidifies to me is what I was already in my experience just from dealing with a lot of professors and so it's not to write them off, but it's to, it's to observe we're dealing with a system and there's an, there's an established, there are established ways of thinking, there are established biases, and people within that system who have tenure or going for tenure, the nature of that system is not to invite opposition. So if you have a really biased system, there's a question of how to get into it. And we see that by going to the top people, whatever they may say about diversity and they like that and whatever that means, uh, they they don't, not in the sense of you know, good new intellectual uh, challenges. Now, I hope when the book gets more play, that changes. But for now, it it it, you know, it was very instructive. So we've got this system, and so if you just write a book and say, "Hey, I'm just going to hope that people teach it in classrooms," well, that's going to be hard to do. And what I think what you're going to find is this this thing of you'll have a small minority of people who are inquisitive or I like that term better than open-minded, uh, but you know they're inquisitive, they're they're open to new views, and you can get it to that. Then the question is, okay, that's just the issue is, okay, that might just be one class, and that's great, and if you happen to be in that class, you're lucky. But how do you get it to more uh, people? And this is when I had this is this is, and then I had some realizations which were based on. Trying, I had this idea for sure that I wanted to get the books in the hands of students, but I really didn't understand. It was one of those things where it was an idea, but it was a much better idea than I thought. Now, most ideas that I have in terms of like business stuff are much worse. Um, uh, no problem, you know, anyone who has to leave, it'll be, um, it'll be recorded. Um, you know, the, in, in terms of, uh, I'm still, getting, I'm still getting used to interacting with the, the text. It's, it's kind of fun in terms of just, um, you can get a little bit distracted. But yeah, most ideas in business, you know, are, are turn out to be pretty bad. But this one I liked. Uh, it turned out that when we, when we gave it to the students, we offered it to the students, 
it really shed light on something. So I want to show you some of the thing, what kind of what happened with this. So we made this offer. Okay, we'll give out a thousand copies. I was hoping that more more people would want than than a thousand. But it wasn't, you know, it was just, it was kind of theoretical in my mind because no students had actually been, it's not like the students had been bugging me for free copies. That's part of the thing. They didn't even know about it. Um, but then it was really interesting what actually happened. So we, we put out this thing, this website that you can see here. It's just, uh, it has, for those listening, it just has a free copy of the moral case for fossil fuels for students and teachers. And then it has, you know, a little bit about the book, this quote from Peter Thiel, uh, this Silicon Valley legend who wrote some, you know, very nice things about it and um, some other information. And then just this thing, request your free copy. And, and I really had this, really wanted people to enter in one field in particular, which was why I wanted a copy of this book, because I want to see what are people thinking, what kind of caliber are we are we getting? So the question is, who's going to, is anyone really going to sign up? Or, and what, are they just going to say, oh, I like free stuff and that's why I'm doing it, which you know, occasionally people do, uh, but it, it turns out to be very, very rare. So then here's what happens, and, and this is just kind of to show you today. This is this is my Twitter feed today. Now, you can't see this publicly because it's it's what, you know, the way it works is they, they'll tell you where has, has your handle, like at Alex Epstein, been mentioned, but if you can see this on the screen or I can just explain it to you, it says it's it's the people who who uh, request the book afterward, they're given the option of tweeting about it and sharing it with their friends, and that encourages more people to do it. And you can see there are seven notifications here, and six of them, and this is all within one hour, and this is just earlier today, you know, just one period, are from students. So this means, you know, six of them aren't going to tweet. They're, not everyone tweets or will will um, encourage. And if we, I look at my dashboard today, we have dozens and dozens of requests from the University um, of Texas at Austin, which is a you know leading uh, petroleum engineering place. And then a couple weeks ago, we had the same thing with economic students at University of Chicago, which is a legendary economic school. Now, usually what we get is we get smaller numbers just from each different school. But you know both of those are great, right? Because imagine the petroleum students at UT Austin now having this kind of, having a really good resource, having a moral case that they never knew existed and what that would mean and then what the, what it'll do to the econ students at University um, of Chicago. And, you know, just, you can, there are these quotes here, I'll just read one. This is just, you get different kinds of perspectives. You get some who are generally supportive, but they feel like they need better arguments. And, but you also get people who are on the environmentalist side, but, are, but are open to different perspectives. So one student from Baylor writes, as an environmental science major, I'm interested in learning different perspectives related to the environment. So what this says to me is, this was really eye-opening to me, and, and we got it from, you know, we're getting environmental science teachers in high school, so the high school teachers are really great too. You can tell that they have, they're much more open uh, in part, I think they don't have the same kind of institutional incentive uh, to just all think exactly the same way, and you know maybe not the arrogance to think that they that they know it all. But they also, I think many of them are just happy to have materials. Often they have budget issues, and and they're happy to have materials, and they're really really grateful. So what we have is this the the 
what excites me about this is, is I then was able to integrate this with my own experiences about what can happen with just one student. So let's just take, let's say, you know, best case scenario, and this has happened many times, that environmental science major at, at Baylor becomes, let's just call it a diehard humanist. So he, I don't know if it's he or she, um, although we do have that information, but I, I didn't write it down. Um, it becomes super enthusiastic and under starts learning learning the the case for fossil fuels, how to think about it, how to think of everything in terms of human life, how to always look at the big picture, both positive and negative, how to deal with experts, you know, don't treat experts as authorities to give you dogma, treat them as advisors to give you explanations, and, and just really can put it together. And I, I find that the people listen to Power Hour, the people who have read fossil fuels and improve the plan. And I think for sure the people who read Moral Case for Fossil Fuels can get a much clearer organization of everything in their head in addition to lots of facts. Imagine this one person is in a classroom. What will that, you might think it's just one person at a school. But I've been one person in a lot of these contexts and it, it is transformative. I was one person at Duke University, but I still once in a while have someone come to me now and I haven't been there in 12 or 13 years and say, you know, you standing up in that class really affected me. And it's usually I didn't say anything about it then because I was afraid. But just knowing that there is this perspective was uh, was different. And, and then you've seen with things like these marches that I go to. Part of the reason I go there is to show people, hey, somebody disagrees. And in particular, somebody thinks has a different ideal. Somebody thinks that something else is right besides this green ideal. You might think these guys are impractical, but somebody's saying they're immoral and somebody's saying that the way, you know, our industrial way of life is good and should be continued. And just having one person, it, it totally, totally changes the dynamic. And just like you can have one person as a student, you can have one teacher in a school and that changes the dynamic because suddenly you can't deny that the perspective exists. And once you can't deny that the perspective exists, then you confront it. And then, then you're much more, other people are much more likely to think about it and engage it. And then guess what? They might be converts. And then you have two. And then two is just a complete transformation. So these, you don't get everyone at the beginning, but what you do is you have inquisitive people. And I call this the inquisitive window. There's a, there's a, there's moments in time where they're particularly open to new ideas, where they find the mainstream confusing, they find there's something wrong, uh, but they haven't invested in it their whole lives yet. And you want to hit them in that window. When I was 16, I was in that window with environmental issues, and I found this book called All the Trouble in the World by P.J. O'Rourke, which was, I thought, really, uh, you know, for that time in my life was great in terms of it just challenged the idea that we're running out of everything or that there's this climate catastrophe. And that just... Once that was there, then it was, oh, wow, I can really, there's really something to study. There are different views. And yeah, I think it's safe to say that that was, in terms of P.J. O'Rourke impacting me, that had a lot of ripple effects in impacting others. And then once I read Ayn Rand and other objectivists on these kinds of issues, it, it was a complete, uh, you know, revelation that, hey, there's kind of this, this, there's this basic issue of man survives by transforming his environment to meet his needs. There's a movement that says that it's wrong to impact your environment. So they're saying the core of human survival is wrong. I'm uh, that movement is wrong, not human beings are wrong. And and just that that was you know, just the exposure to that. And and because 
it, who, what if I had encountered it 20 years later? I mean, I'd like to think, yeah, I'd be open to it, but my mind would be such a mishmash and it would just seem alien and crazy. It would just be a lot harder than it was at that age. So what I want is I want to get the kids at their inquisitive window and I want what, and then what I need to do is I need to maximize my effect in that window. And that goes to the issue of a go-to resource. It's when I have somebody, when somebody is saying in effect, hey, I'm interested, or at least when they have that disposition, I want to get to them, which is the, you know, part of making the offer is to get to them. And then I want to give, if I think I'm right, I want to give my, my positions the best chance of being heard. So if I just send a mediocre op-ed to somebody who's open, that is not going to help my case. Or if the op-ed is written in a way that alienates people, or the book is written in a way that alienates people, it's, it's, you have this opportunity. It's like a once in a lifetime in the sense of once in a student's lifetime opportunity. And if you, and this is really true of all communication, it's, it's put some pressure on it, but it's true. You, you only have so much of an opportunity. So you better do the best thing. And most communication is not very effective. So, when I was writing the book, Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and I had this context of, you know, a leading publisher had said, hey, write a book on what you think about fossil fuels. I, for me, that was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and it was, I felt a lot of pressure, whether that's psychologically healthy or not, to really make it, you know, convincing to a liberal. That was certainly a student. That was my goal, because I felt like I know what is right. And I know that it can be communicated effectively, potentially, because I've done that to some degree at least, but I, I need to take it to the next level. And, and I think, you know, the reviews of it have been very positive. And, and I, I think that it does. I think it's, it's uniquely geared toward the two attributes at least are it is very tailored toward persuading somebody who disagrees. So I think I make the opposition's arguments much better than they do. And then I think it is, it's very, um, the framing of things is very clarifying. I think those, those two things, and I think that's, that's crucial. So it's, now most of you haven't read it. You, you can, I hope most of you have read the first chapter, but I think if you, if you read that, you, you'll see the approach I'm taking. And, and if, if you don't think it's effective, you probably won't think the rest of the book is effective. And if you do, the rest of the book is a lot more, uh, of that. So we do have the slight barrier of most of you haven't read it, but I, it comes out in 12 days, so or 11 days, so we'll sort of take care of it that way. So anyway, we have, so my view is, okay, great. So now we've got this inquisitive window. I've got this resource. I'm giving them in my view, my view, it's not just because I wrote it, although you could say that's a bias, but the best thing, I, if I could give them one thing, it would be this book, particularly if they've said already, I'm willing to read a book. You know, other people aren't, and then you got to enter, you, you need a different entry point. But we have this thing where these, where we can now, we've shown that just by a little bit of marketing, we can get, you know, it's 1,800 already individual requests and like 1,500 at least classroom sets. And you can get 10 times that. Now that we have 1,800 and with so little marketing, it, it's just clear that there are so many people who are interested in this issue and open to it. And so we have this, uh, this window. And there's one other aspect I'll say, and then I'm, I'm going to start taking questions is that it's one of the benefits of it is it's not just a resource where they learn stuff, but it's, it's an emotional resource to know that there's another human being who thinks the way that you do or who 
who, if you agree with this, has your back. And I remember when I first, um, I, I don't know why it was this article in particular, but this article by um, uh, this uh, philosophy professor, Michael Berliner. He really wrote about environmentalism that I read when I was 18. And I, it really struck me. It was a really well done article. And it, it, I remember I was in a class and we had this conservationist charitably. He was really an anti-humanist coming in and talking about population control and we should be like China. And I just, I just thought this was the most evil thing ever and all the other students are nodding and I just, I felt like I was in hell. It was, it was the worst. And I ended up inappropriately in a certain sense, I didn't even notice it, but I had, I noticed at a certain point I had stood up and started giving a speech and the, the guy had left the room because uh, he was so, quote, offended. Of course, he's talking about killing kids, so I couldn't feel too bad. But, like, part of what gave me the confidence to do that is knowing that, hey, not only do I think I'm on the right track, but there's other, other people who are thinking about this who have thought about it much more and are much brighter than I am on this, and they they have a lot to say too. So if I get a question I can't answer, guess what? Somebody has my back. And I feel like what we're doing here is is we have we're giving them this resource, but they also have my contact information. I have their contact information. We can keep in touch with them. We can track what's going on, not not in some big brother way, but just hey, how do you like the book? and be able to answer questions. And we're going to do some stuff with this format to just, I think, hold for a little while, at least weekly sessions. So it's just amazing what can be done. And there is this opportunity. And I really didn't expect it to be as, as big. So it, it did catch me by surprise in a certain way. But now I, I really think it could be, um, in a sense, the most important educational project we've ever uh, done. So I have a couple more things to say, but uh, I want to take questions at this point. All right, and I, I see that I've been ignoring a little bit of the, the chatter, so let me see. Chatter is a, not, not, that's not what I meant. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're talking, so everyone here has some anecdote about indoctrination, and probably when being indoctrinated, you felt alone, and that's part of that, and that's a really debilitating thing, both for the individual, but also for anyone who who is of like mind, because, and this is what Ayn Rand had this term, and I'm pretty sure I'm using it correctly, but I haven't read it in a while. But the idea, I, I I think about it a lot, which is the the pyramid of moral endurance, which is the idea that student, a human being, you know, different people who want to do the right thing can only take so much in terms of either negative reinforcement or a lack of encouragement. And for whatever reason, I have the ability to seemingly work with none of those, or to work with a lot of negative reinforcement and no encouragement for very long periods of time. Now, for, you know, at this point, I get tons of encouragement. It's very nice. And I get tons of negative, but that, you know, that's, is kind of repetitive and boring at this point unless it's really interesting and then it's not really negative. Um, but, you know, I, I would just, like, even if people would always say, oh, yeah, the, the fossil fuel industry must love you and, like, always ask how they can help you and give me a break. Uh, I don't expect anyone to do that anyway. But, and, and I've, like, I, look, I, it's an industry fundamentally. I love what it does. And I, I have a number of good relationships in, in the in the industry. And I have spoken to people and I'm, uh, 
you know, I'm proud. And so, and I, I, in the last year, really, I've been starting to help companies with communication and something I'm, and by the way, yes, I do charge money. So, uh, if you think that's evil, then you really need to read my book to understand why I'd be proud of something like that. Um, but it's, it's like, we didn't have not created an environment for people. We, we've created an environment where it takes a lot of moral endurance to do the right thing. And when you're a movement, you want to create the opposite. You want it to be as pleasant as possible. You want to have, you know, other people give emotional support. You want to give people the resources. You, you want to make it appealing to do the right thing. You want to give them a lot of clarity. You can't just give them like a mishmash. Um, or all sorts of contradictory things. You want to make it something that seems enjoyable to be part of, not just something that angry people are involved with. It, it's such an important point. And if we, all of us have experienced to some degree that you've been in an environment that's really encouraging and motivating and versus feeling very isolated and feel like, well, can this really make any difference? So that that's, it's such an important uh, point. All right. So, Let's see, we have, okay, what can we, uh, your listeners do to facilitate your efforts? Well, the at the bottom of the screen, and I want to talk about this a little more, I mean, I'll talk about it a bunch more, but moralcaseforfossilfuels.com slash students. So the essentially the math that we have is, well, I mean, I might as well cover this now. The math that we have is good and bad in the same time. It's good in that I think it's extremely efficient Economically, it's bad in that the results we've gotten so far in terms of raising money for this are not very good. Just to, just to put it bluntly, and I'm not a full-time fundraiser. This isn't even fundraising. We just spend the money on books, and um, yeah, it's it's it is not a uh, it, yeah. It's, if it ever becomes a cash cow, it certainly is not now. It's whatever uh, a non-cash cow, but. Um, the not to say that I don't act like you know this is altruistic. I mean, I think it's going to be amazingly impactful, and and it also helps our our book sales, which is great. But in any case, the the point is that you can give twenty if you you know for twenty five dollars you can reach one of these discrete students. We've already pre qualified. We've checked if they're imaginary. Uh, like it's now you can't of course you can't guarantee that any one is going to pan out. But if we and we we. I like to use these oil-related terms. So one, I, I sort of took a book and did a quasi-measurement of the volume, which they probably made some error on. But like one book I think of as a liter, and four books is a gallon, and 168 books, because it's 42 gallons, is a barrel. And you know, if you buy a gallon, that's four books, I'd say you have a damn high probability of changing, really changing how at least one person thinks about it. You think about that as pretty damn good investment because they'll start to affect other people um, too. So I'll just show you what the economics are. I just, just worked them out tonight. So my, my view has been right now we have over 3,500 requests, I think. And I'm going to give you the numbers leaving aside. So I've, I'm covering up to 1,000, you know, no matter what. So if, if nobody gave, I would still, you know, pay the, the 25 grand, which is, not, you know, not... It's real money for anyone, certainly for me. Um, but 
you know, really, so it's 3,500 out. My view is in the next couple of weeks, the book is coming out and we've got this window. It's a launch window and it relates to the inquisitive window because this is where people are going to be hearing about it all the time. We have a book trailer coming out that I think is maybe the coolest thing I've been ever been involved with. If we can say to students, hey, you can get a free book of this, uh, copy of this, I think that will be amazing. And so my my goal is is just to make a nice round number, but I think fairly logically calculated is is sixteen thousand eight hundred. So that's a hundred hundred barrels. So that's going to require both you know people of modest means to get involved and people of significant uh, means to get involved. And right to this point, more people of modest means have gotten involved, which I'm very grateful for. And people of significant means have have tentatively committed to some degree. But here are the numbers. Um, so we've had twenty barrels requested. That's about you know, 3,500 books. And 1.5 purchase, so this is actually, we have the cash for it, you know. And then in terms of people committing like rough commitments, that's about plus or minus five, that's 850. So that's about a thousand, again, leaving aside me, but that's 2,500 short of current demand. And again, we're, we're a week and a half before the launch. So it, it's almost... It's daunting in a certain sense. Now, if you know you're, if you can afford uh, a barrel or two, uh, just you know, can call this bias, but I've never seen any potential use of charitable money that has the, if it's if it's not officially charitable money, I guess, because it's not 501c3, but you know what I mean, that has this kind of return. I mean, I think it's it's just amazing what we have. People who are so pre-qualified, so motivated, and we've got the right product. Uh, I think it's just. It's just awesome. It is intimidating. I mean, and so the question is, how do you how do you generate this many? And and I don't think it is. And my answer here is not. Oh, one person just needs to do it. Um, I think that's that's definitely the wrong approach for many reasons. And I'm not. I'm not a professional fundraiser. I'm not gonna. As much as I believe in this, I'm not gonna just go around and spend huge amounts of time talking to executives. I just can't. That's not what I do. I mean, I, I write, and and um, you know, it should just be a different uh, different world. So I'm curious what what thoughts people have. I mean, first of all, um, you know, if anyone wants to, I think it would be really cool if anyone wants to, you know, just write down if they have committed or or how much they will commit. I think that would be motivating to people. But also ideas. So there are at least a couple categories. One is how to get your own networks motivated. So if you know you if you get a gallon and you can get others you know ten other nine other people to get a gallon then you've you've now got forty books you've multiplied your effectiveness and so I think a lot of it is how do you get people to team up so I'm curious I'm I'm curious what what people think of all this so I'm curious on your comments and then curious about people's ideas of how to you know how to how to spread this how to get other people motivated. And part of it is I will, you know, I will have this recorded, um, but it is, it would suck. I mean, for me, I mean, absolutely suck to not get to 3,500. But in my mind, it would suck not to get to, you know, 17,000 because it's just, I know I'm throwing away opportunity. Since I don't have the money to have the opportunity in a certain sense, but you know, we, anyone who cares about this throwaway opportunity, I've had many millionaires tell me that they care about education. So I'm not saying that they don't, most don't know about this, but 
you know, if, if as a movement, insofar as there is a, I like to call it a humanist movement now, if, if we can't figure out a way to get this kind of thing done, then what are our, what are our values? Um, so one person brings up, uh, I'll answer Mark's question in a second about who, who might, um, you know, who, who, who might be interested in the book and who might not be, but uh, Stuart says, if you've re received money from big industry, it'll be discredited. No, that is, that, it first, well, if you're a nonprofit and, and you're really funded as a primary, you do run into that a bit, but this is, this is the whole bias. This is what we're fighting against, the idea that if you're connected to industry, you must be immoral, whereas if you're connected, connected to the government or you're connected to some particular private charitable person, oh, that's fantastic, versus the worst motivations. Money is not, I mean, it's not a bad motivation, but it's not an inherent motivation one way or the other. Fundamentally, it's, it's a, an amazing thing. But even insofar as people have a negative money-related motivation, that pales in comparison to two others, which are power and prestige. And so if you want to talk to me about somebody being corrupt and a corrupting influence, Talk about, say, the, the global warming establishment whose models are complete failures and how honest they are about that and what kind of it, what it would take for them to own up to that and to say, look, we really got it wrong and we need to get our heads checked and can people please offer us some advice of how to, you know, how to, how to change our thinking, how to improve our thinking. There is just no, you know, or, you know, prestige, the whole self-esteem is tied to being not a climate denier. The whole the whole premise. Is, so, but what you have to do is you have to be able to say, "Look, I'm." I tell companies to say this. You know, you got it wrong. You think I'm? Can I'm? You know, if you're in a company, you think I'm uh, saying the oil industry is good. I'm saying I believe the oil industry is good because I'm in the oil industry. No, I could have done anything with my life, but I chose to be in the oil industry because the oil industry is good. And so we can talk about that. But for you to assume, you know, for you to insult me and then to assume that I'm bad because I produced the fuel that brought you here, I do not accept that as a, as, as legitimate. So it, it's the, it's the guilt on the part of the recipients that you cannot let that kind of thing stand. And I don't, and I don't think I have any problems. I, I mean, I, nobody believes that I don't believe it. All right, thank you, uh, Randy Brick, 10 books, S&T of the, oh, Sick and Tired, yes. Um, so getting a book with an infographic we, with which we can engage the younger generation, very visual, fast survey. Um, well, we have a lot of graphs in the book that I think are very effective, uh, but you know, when you see those, or you can see a lot of them in chapter one, so you can tell me what you think of those. Uh, I think that, yeah, we have what we have now, which I'd never really had before this book, was super comprehensive and definitive data on everything. So now we can, we have the data. I mean, we have it in very easy form to access. We can generate infographics on demand. So I think that's something you'll be seeing a lot more of. Whereas in the past, I didn't have the, we didn't have those data assets, hadn't processed them, hadn't thought of how to display them. Uh, but now we do. So I think, not only do we have 32 images or so from the book, but we have 
the capacity to generate them very, very quickly. So between me and, and Stefan Hen, who's you know one of our researchers, you know, we can do pretty much anything. All right, other questions, comments, uh, commitments. Let's see, who do we have on here? I can. Uh, which PDF are you talking about, Mark? Mark is talking about how there's a summary thing. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's chapter one. Um, yeah, definitely. So we're getting with 29 people on the call, so you almost have something to say. So uh, I know it's a new medium. So uh, yeah, but still, still try getting involved. And I know a lot of you. I don't. I'm not gonna. I probably won't uh, cold call. It'll probably make you um, nervous. But uh, oh, so potential donors. Yeah. So that's a good question. Do these sales count toward best-selling charts? Yes, that's something very deliberately do because they are individual. So we have individual addresses, so they are in the teacher ones are a little bit different, but they're still not that large. So where where you run into trouble with best-seller lists for for those who care, and it is it's an important thing to care about because it if you believe in the ideas of a book, you know, it being on a best-seller list makes it so that a lot more people will see it. Um, you know. So the money goes toward, okay, so the sales count toward the best-selling chart. So yeah, one is basically their individual sales, which is very good because that, that's what best-seller lists measure. If you, for instance, we could have someone buy a 1,000 copies of the book and it might count as one sale, which is great still. Look, we want people to have the book. That's the main thing. Uh, but if, if that's your interest, that's important. And then... Yeah, but because it's individual books, this gets to this gets to um, the fulfillment of it. So it's you know for that it's we're buying them and shipping them from uh, you know individual places, and there are reasons why it's hard to just do it on uh, on Amazon, and then there's the labor involved. So it's you know at, at the low end you're talking like 21 a book, and then you know all the different labor uh, associated with. It. So right now it's a little bit more expensive than that for us, but. I just figure 25 is is simple and easy number, and and you know over time we'll have economies of scale that should um, make that you know make that the right number. Or may, may, we might even be able uh, to lower it, particularly if we get you know bulk orders. But you know we're not not getting that many uh, commitments. Let's see. So Christina talks about the uh, yeah getting. Yeah, getting an infographic. So yeah, just make sure to get to the um, make sure to get on our list if you're not already at a. You can. There's a million ways to sign up, but AlexEpstein.com I think is the new, is, is the newest, and I think it's the easiest. Um, someone asked how much of the price of the pump is going to government coffers. It, it's so variable depending uh, on the state, but it's it's a lot, but. That money is in part paying for roads. So there's a question of whether that is the right arrangement, which I'd say no. But you, know, you have to look into what is it, what is it going toward. And in my view, as big an issue as that is, the main issue is that they want to jack up the taxes, not for their own spending necessarily, but to restrict usage. So the idea of what they call a carbon tax, which is the usual completely inexact language, you know, which, by which they mean carbon dioxide. 
but that is you know, that's the da the danger is that you're going to be legally restricted from using energy either just it's it's directly capped or it's capped by implication and I think what what they'll see if they try to do that is to actually to actually really restrict it with with um, taxes they'll never give a straight answer as to what they'd be willing to tolerate but I mean you I mean dozens and dozens of dollars for sure I mean this solar and wind are not real sources of energy at this point in time certainly not real sources of portable energy so uh, and they're certainly not allowing any kind of liberation of, of nuclear all right I think I have covered all the questions so far other questions and comments we got a lot of you guys are are mute oh great you can uh, mark shared something in the um, in the comments one thing I love about this medium is that you can share a lot in the comments and that you can share links and, and whatnot uh, yeah definitely people feel free to enter in I just realized that one, one interesting aspect of this format which I think will not be an issue particularly as you know when I don't announce it an hour and a half in advance and have more people is that it um, so I really like silence as a device in general in speaking, uh, but it, it's not a good device in podcasting. It, and it can it works live and it works it can even work if you're watching it, but if you're listening to it, it's just radio silence. And there's a reason why it's very rare to hear you know ten seconds a ten second pregnant pause uh, on the radio. What about a flyer libraries about your book and ISBN number? Um, yeah, that we can make a note of that. Do you, is there anything in particular you want to include it? To include? And yeah, other people. I definitely like you know everyone who's in, who's including uh, ideas. So I think the two things are. I mean, if if you know at least at least I think everyone can afford or almost anyone can afford you know one book, and you, you have to decide beyond that. And I'm not going to try to tell anyone. What it's worth, I just told you the, the numbers of, of what we need, but also how to multiply that, how to multiply your influence. And think about what I'm doing, right? I can give X amount, I mean, even buy thousands of dollars worth of books, but I can't buy you know, barrels and barrels worth of books. So I'm, I'm doing this kind of thing to try to get uh, others involved, but that works best if I, I, not only I champion it, but then other people committing to a champion and it's 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 a powerful position to even say look I you know I bought a book for this cause and I think that that you should too uh, we have a lot of Canadians here um, well Patrick says since there are no other questions hopefully there are other questions I think people are, are shy and it's, it can be a new medium a documentary on the moral case for fossil fuels uh, narrated by Alex Epstein what do I think of this my view on document first of all it, it's I have another project at the moment but I think video it's true video, there's this definite observation that video is very powerful and I, I can't wait for everyone to see the video trailer that we have uh, which is going to be out in a, about a week uh, but video is very powerful 
but most video is not very powerful. Video can be very powerful, so you see, oh, an inconvenient truth is influential. But most is not, and most uh, is not very well done. And if I write a book, I, I'm a writer. I know how to write. I can control the quality on that, you know, easily in the sense of I can know when it's good and I have people I trust that I can ask if it's good just to make sure. But with the documentary, you really got to make sure you're getting involved with, with world-class people. So the idea of me initiating it is a non-starter. I think what, what the goal will be is once this book gets disseminated and this project will be part of it, then you'll have people who are super, who, like, really talented artists where I see, wow, look at what you made. And it's kind of like the, the, the person or the, the studio who's making my book trailer. And it's much, it's only 90 seconds or 100 seconds, but they do really good work. And so I, uh, the publisher brought them on and we're making a really, really cool video. And I think that'll be the next step. Oh, Mark's, uh, Mark had a, yeah, Mark said he's very excited about the video. The, Mark, can you repeat, um, repeat the question? Uh, Stephen Kreisman, yes, he has sent, yeah, is actually part of the people who have actually contributed, which I'm really grateful for. And he said he's sent money for eight books and he'll mention this at a local objectivist meeting. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, because so it's, it's, you're in the, you're in the best position in the sense you're in an even better, uh, position you know, than I am. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I like talking about this insofar as I like talking about the strategy because I think it's it's really important to understand the dynamics, but my my real comfort zone in terms of commercial transactions is, uh, it cut out, I think it cut out again, but I think everyone here, I'm definitely going to check with the, the provider. I, I apologize for that. Um, what was the what was the where did I where did I cut off? Oh, that's where I cut out. Excuse me. Um, oh man, I said a lot. So I just got I got dispirited. Um, you said I was talking about my real comfort zone for transactions is well, whenever you lose stuff like this, you realize oh, I didn't. It wasn't that important. Uh, so it was just. Yeah, for-profit stuff, but with with this kind of thing, you have to. It's more a matter of your personal values that I don't have as much access to. But I would ask you to think: What is it? Part of the reason I'm motivated, I give a lot of my own money for it, is just that the the experience of of seeing this on the front end, seeing somebody want something, knowing that I can I can help them in a way that's. Think about how often it is somebody comes up to you and says hey, can you explain to me what you really care about? And I'm really open to listening. That's what they're saying. I mean, you're using a book, but it doesn't doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not even explaining to them live, but it's it's the they're asking you for the ideas. And it's like they, they want, in fact, they want your your values to know what you think because they're asking for something that's in your values. And then not just that, but you're not, they're not going into the ether. We have everyone's contact information. We'll follow up with everyone. And I'm sure that tons of people will just follow up on their own because it's exciting and because and they'll really like it. And you know, that's, that's, I just think it's a be, and I'll, I'll send all the, you know, testimonials to people insofar as they're not private. But just getting that is, I think, going to be a, a highlight 
for me and, and for anyone who's involved, where you just know that, wow, this this would not have happened without me. And you know, every, since every $25 somebody gives goes to a book, you know that without you, this one person wouldn't have it. And with you, one person uh, did. And for any kind of giving, I think it's very rare that any, whether commercial or non-commercial transaction, you get that kind of thing. And what you're buying then is you're buying influence on that person and everyone that person influences. So it, it's really an infinite chain of influence. And so for if I just look at how I use my own time and money, I spent a lot of my time edu helping individual people whom I thought were promising. And that's the same principle, that it's, it's such a dividend to have a positive influence on someone and I can see it. So, you know, my friend uh, Don Watkins is an example where he's always very gracious in terms of how much I've helped him. And, you know, I've spent, we've spent a lot of time talking. And, you know, now we learn a lot both ways. But, like, that part of that is every time I see him doing something good, that was part of what I paid for with my, my time. And then everyone he, who he influences, even if they never hear of me, I get it. So, like, for me, that's... I don't know how many, it's hard to measure these things, but if it's tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of time, whatever it is, it, it's, it's worth it. And if you're, a, if your whole thing is you're a master of persuasion, you can do it that way. And if you enjoy it or your teacher, you can do it that way, but you can also do it. This is, this is a tool that allows you to have that same kind of impact. And all you have to do is identify this is a value to me. Oh, thank you, Randy, for buying uh, 12 books. Yeah, Mark mentioned that the issue, that it's really awesome that thousands are asking for them. Uh, yeah, and, and that it's individuals, and that's very important that it's not just, you know, student clubs and stuff. Uh, we, uh, there, are some, there are some kinds of student groups that we deal with, but it's only where the, it's, it's like, it, it would be an event of student leaders who are already pre-qualified, but not this kind of thing where, oh yeah, the the college not to not to, I mean I'm going to take College Republican because it's kind of a generic group name, but like, oh sure, the Idaho College Republicans, and by the way, you should definitely request books as individuals. Like we'll take a hundred or five hundred, and it's like okay, great, we can pad our numbers. No, we're not. This is you get this is all again pre-qualified. So the last thing I the last thing I want a visual of is is like this. I have this. I mean I like this visual. But just sitting at some sort of conference in a corner and dumped in the trash by a janitor cuz you know I'm tempted to say pearls before swine but it was not desired. Uh yeah, so Mark talks about, you know, a particular organization having hundreds of free books uh, that nobody's reading. And that, yeah, that was a part of making individuals. It, it was maybe, maybe nobody's going to want it. Um, all right, so any, any more questions, comments, or commitments? Uh, you know, we're still, and this is something I... I hope that people will watch this afterward. And it, one thing you can do is share this uh, with people. So, uh, it, so as I talk, definitely please interest. Um, oh yeah, and 
Oh yeah, sorry. Let me let me answer Mark's question. Yeah, if if I ever don't answer a question, it's almost it's often just because it got crowded out by other questions or I forgot. So you can always paste it, and then if if I actually just don't want to answer it, then I'll tell you that. But is there any reason why a non-ideological engineering professor on an unrelated subject might be interested in the book? Well, you can ask him. Uh, I found that for sure people people are. I mean, non-ideological is not the same as non value having. So, but I think the best way is it'd be to ask him, or if you think you can make a case, you know, to some value of his that you know, then, uh, then do that. But it's, it's for sure worth asking and, you know, tell me either way. So, um, I'm going to say a couple of, of things in conclusion because we're not getting any more questions or comments, but, but definitely make them. And if you, um, are, Will you do be, um, okay, so a couple of questions. Are ebooks an option for these donations? Will, be, will you be doing usual and customary book signings? Uh, I'm going to, I have the schedule on the website, actually. You can look, I'm speaking at, and I was going to talk a little bit about what I'm doing. Uh, you know, what's it called? Um, sorry, I don't mean to put it that way. I'm speaking at, I mean, we have amazing stuff. So let me talk about that in a second for the calendar, but you can go to alexepstein.com and, and there are events there listed right now and there'll be more. Uh, are ebooks an option? This is interesting. Um, I would say right now on an ad hoc basis, uh, yes. So if you would like to do that, then, you know, we can uh, arrange that and it could probably... Do I, I do you know what what it do you know what it's selling for right now, uh, Nick on on Amazon? Because we could definitely do it more cheaply than, uh, you know, than twenty five. And maybe you know if more people want to do that, then we can we can also uh, add that. Okay, so yeah, you can do. Um, that's a really good idea, actually. So we can. But the, the problem is, uh, so let's put it this way. I'll, I'm sure that there are enough who want ebooks that we can, like, if, if you, you know, donate X amount. So I'd say we can, for like every every book or every leader, as we call it, it can be two ebooks or one hardcover. And I, I'm quite sure we can find you know, demand for those. But uh, I don't know if I'll, so people like let me know. If you want that, my sense is that that will be that. I mean, we can email the like thousand people, and I'm sure we'll get enough. So you know, whatever you want to give, if it's eBooks, let's do that, and then you know, we'll we'll handle that. My sense is that people do like. I don't even read hardcovers. I have to say most of the time, but there's a sense of particularly if it's a new book that you're not familiar with. Like, and this is a really cool looking book, by the way. I have to say, I don't know if you can tell it's shiny and stuff and like there's something about getting that in the mail and, and we have all these associations with packages that just versus hey here's a link here's another thing in your email like the the inbox is not a motivating place to find things most of the time so but that said yes for anyone anyone here who's interested so if you want to commit to buying you know you can just put it as x number of ebooks and then that'll just be you know essentially be we can handle it for twelve fifty because it'll be twelve dollars we'll have to pay, and then you know, probably fifty cents worth of 
uh, of processing. So yeah, if you want to definitely better eBooks, if that's really your preference and that's what you're passionate about, and that's the kind of you think that's a different kind of reader, then uh, then no books. So yeah, anyone any does e, anyone want to give eBooks in particular? And uh, Patrick, again. Uh, Right as I'm talking, it's this interesting format. You like the interactive format. I think that might have been, was that your first comment? <laughs> this is funny. Maybe you made one earlier, I apologize. But uh, I, I'm glad. I, I think, you know, I think it has potential. Oh, <laughs> it's your second comment. Okay. And now your third and fourth. Um, yeah, I, I like it a lot. And I'm really interested to see how it, you know, how it is with our normal subject matter. And this is, this is a, this is our subject matter in the sense of it's about energy and about education, but it's you know, focused on this particular financial goal. Uh, that's almost never the focus of Power Hours. It's usually just pure content about energy. So like next week, we're going to be doing chapter one. I think that should be uh, really fun. And I'm really curious to see who comes on and what kinds of questions they have. All right. Thank you, Michael uh, from Brentwood, a gallon, four books. Yeah, so each each one of these, you know, each one of these helps. Each one of these makes a dent. And when I talk to, you know, wealthier people, you know, whether they're in the fossil fuel industry or not, part of what I tell them is, look, people from outside the industry believe enough in what you're doing uh, to do this, and that that should mean something. And and it should mean something that the industry is usually the last to jump on these things. And uh, I can say that's my fault because I haven't given a good enough case, maybe, or I haven't been persuasive enough. But it's important that it's important that the industry know that there are a lot of us who are, uh, you know, not not making money off this stuff, and but that we under we have a certain moral clarity about it. And we understand what's at stake, and that we're willing to put our money where our mouths are and even if we don't have nearly as much money. And I, you know, this is what I did when I paid McKibben $10,000. And, and the people will say that, oh, this is, you know, whatever, courageous or it's, I don't think of it that way. I just think of it as I know, I know what's right. And it's once you do, it's very hard not to act in these kinds of, of circumstances. And yeah, that's, that's my uh, experience. Have I considered talk shows? Yeah. So let me just, Finish up, and obviously anyone can leave at any time. But uh, you know, I hope again. I hope we uh, definitely keep getting more commitments, and you can you can go to that website at any time, or if you don't want to announce it publicly, uh, that's fine. But you know, I'll I'll know in one form or another. But let me just, if anyone's interested, just talk about uh, the launch, because again, when I got the opportunity, my view was this is I, not. I want to make it not once in a lifetime. That is, but it was it was just very exciting to me that that, and I felt a real responsibility that you know, we had this chance to write to to get these ideas out there in a book, which is really my preferred form of communication. It's still the most I think intellectually influential form of communication, and to have the backing of a major publisher behind it, to have it's like it, it's. That's such a that's such a major thing, and they you know they pay you know they pay a substantial advance as well. It's just it's like they said. It's the world said to me, um, 
I feel like the character Tobias in Arrested Development, like the universe is saying to me, but no, it's, it's, but it's saying like, hey, take your best shot. Do your absolute, you can do your absolute best job at persuading people. You can make your full case and you're going to get paid to do it. We'll pay you for five months to do this. We'll promote it. We'll publish it. And so that's, that has been an honor for me, but it's, it has a certain pressure. And again, I, I can't say that this is necessary, but it, it's, I have experienced it where it's, okay, this is your opportunity. I know, I know how powerful the arguments are when they're done right. And I know, I know how right they are. And so to botch this would be bad. So the book, you know, that was, that was very hard to do, but I, I did it. I'm very happy with it. Uh, it's definitely the best thing I've ever done in my life, for sure, in my mind. I think way better than all my other uh, stuff. So I'm excited for people to see it. Uh-oh. Someone got a not found at moralcaseforfossilfuels.com slash books. That's weird. Oh, I gave it wrong. Excuse me. Uh, moralcaseforfossilfuels.com slash students. That was a very good catch. Okay. Anyway, so it's like, it's this huge opportunity, and what I, from all my experience in life tells me that it's it's all in the way that you handle it. Like, like you can have the same opportunity, and it, nobody can know about it, or everybody can know about it. So, ever since I wrote that thing, my whole focus has been, I want these ideas to get out there, and this is an opportunity, because the launch will get a certain amount of attention, but also we can get attention around the launch. So, you know, I think a lot of what it is is just going to be getting really good written content out there. So I have probably more written content than I've produced in the last year, leaving aside the book. That'll be coming out the launch week. We have a book trailer, which is, I think, just the coolest thing. I wish, I'm tempted to play you the audio of it, but I'll, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. But hopefully next, I might debut it next week on Power Hour Live. That would be fun. Uh, and then I'm just... There's just so much stuff to it, but essentially it's thinking, the way I think of it is, there are lots of people who, if, if I could reach them, would realize that this is a really important issue and, and would care about it and would to some extent be persuaded. And so this launch, the whole thing is how do we find all these audiences, these groups of people in different places, you know, different places on the internet, different places in the country, and expose them to it and connect it to their uh, values. And that's really what a, what a launch is about. So you think of it in terms of bestseller numbers and whatnot, but really it's just about are you connecting with people? So it's like we have three weeks really to get this, whether it's you know business buying a thousand books or buying books for students or people buying it because they saw me on TV. It's like that's that's your window. And my view is once that happens, if the book is, is really effective, uh, which I think it will be, you know, then it then it gets a momentum, and you have to keep promoting it. But the main thing is to just get enough people exposed where they become champions on their own. So there's all kinds of cool stuff. If you go to the website, I'm speaking at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is the leading business organization in the world. I'm speaking at the Heritage Foundation. I'm speaking at the Cato Institute. I'm speaking at the Houston Petroleum Club. Um, we're doing an event. I think this is. Uh, I don't know if it's official, but it's 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 confirmed. I'm doing an event with uh, Peter Thiel, the tech legend. I'm doing that uh, in San Francisco. Uh, 
So we just have a like really cool uh, thing, and you know ultimately it's it's so that's all really cool stuff. And in my mind, none of it matters like the student stuff, or rather, it's all of a piece because if the students see it, so let's say I'm speaking with Peter Thiel uh, up there, and you know he's interviewing me about the book, and I can say to the students, hey, the, you guys can get. You can go, you're welcome to go buy it, but you can also get a, a free copy you know, if you just go here and tell us why you want one. I want to be able to tell those students that. Uh, but you know, right now, it's becoming difficult because we're, we're behind. So we still have the thing open, but I'm not promoting it as much because uh, you know, I've created the, I thought it was going to be harder to create the, the, the demand than the supply. And you know, we created the demand. I think we have the formula for that. It's only going to increase now. We have to create the supply. Um, yeah, so it's cool that yeah, it's cool that people are um, excited about it. But it's it's really ultimately about the individuals that get reached uh, by the book, and so we want to make sure that all of these venues um, are maximized. And you know, each of those those places is going to be an opportunity to talk about education, an opportunity to reach people. So any final questions, comments, uh, commitments? We still have like a bunch of, a bunch of people on the line. Um, about anything. I'll, I'll open it up for, for three minutes. Any, anything that I could possibly answer that you would uh, care about? Yes. A, a, oh, yeah, this is a good question. Will you send a free copy to interested people in the media? Yeah. Um, yes. And if you know bloggers, and let me actually say this, because we're focused on this one project, and I, in a sense, want you to focus on it. But uh, one thing I could talk about, I'll talk about later, but talk about a little bit now, is if one way you can help immensely is, so, so the, the best media for promoting the book, I believe, are talk, talk radio and then written stuff. So if you know anyone whom you like, who you want to recommend the book to, I will send them a free copy and you can tell them that I literally, so any blogger you like, and that's so helpful. It, it's, it's a, it, you just say, I read chapter one of this, I think it, you'd really like it. You know, they, a couple years ago, I got on the Peter Schiff show just because people said they wanted me on. I said, well, go ask him, and they didn't. I just got invited immediately. So if you listen to, I mean, I'm curious, can anyone just write down any podcasts you listen to or any, any, uh, yeah, any any podcasts, any radio shows, uh, or any col any columnists you follow that you'd be willing to write and just you know tell them about the book and and say that you heard that I'd send a, a free chapter because that that kind of, that's another thing that's like influencing the student. Like you influence one person whom you wouldn't have otherwise influenced. So we could talk about say Peter Thiel. Uh, that is a huge thing and they can influence others. So I, I always love these self-replicating things where you, you get one person and you're leveraging yourself. Yeah, so like grantland.com would be brilliant. Like I, I love Chuck Klosterman. But if I email him, it's different from multiple other people emailing him. Reason yeah, so go for it. Like anyone you anyone you like, uh, but it's cool to have suggestions here. But yeah, that's that's super impactful. So I'm really glad you brought that up, and and it's important because some people aren't comfortable with money and stuff. But if you're comfortable just emailing people, you don't always real, realize your power—the power of sharing, just sharing a name, sharing a resource. That that's how so much change 
um, occurs. So, yeah, I mean, any of these guys that you're mentioning, I can get it. Um, and, and, you know, this goes to the question of how did you get the, the Peter Thiel review? Uh, I asked for it. <laughs> I emailed him and said, you might be interested in this. Would you be willing to take a look at it? And he said, yeah. Uh, I had met I had met Peter in 2006, um, yeah, at a dinner, but you know I hadn't talked in in years. But th th who cares? Like I would have emailed it to him even if I had never met him. Uh, at least I I should have. I, I don't have the counterfactual. But what's the worst that can happen? Like what if you emailed 20 people? Now don't just spam them and make it good. But if you emailed 20 people and five work, what kind of that is an amazing return? I mean. It, a, a zero stays a zero, but if a zero becomes a one five times, that's that's amazing. Um, yeah. So anyway, all these suggestions, I would say, these are people that you should reach out to. Uh, um, I mean, you know, I can too, but it, it's 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 I I, it, I only have so much uh, time resource, so the. The question, does everyone in the fossil fuel industry know about your book now? Uh, that is a big industry. I would say no. Uh, but a lot of people have advanced copies, and I think it's had a lot of impact uh, already. But it's, it's you know, everyone needs what, uh, I'll leave you with one thought, which is that, and I experienced this in the fossil fuel industry. I'm just trying to think of any of these guys who are on the line. But, uh, the no, because at the beginning it was kind of ridiculous how I just couldn't even get any engagement at all. Like I just I want to ask a question or something. Or I would call, I remember calling up a company and I was wanted to write a story and I was I was supportive of their position and they just they were so hostile to me on the phone and because they thought I must be some attacker. And I explained no, I've, you can read what I've written. I've been in the Wall Street Journal about this stuff and it's like okay, we'll get someone to call you. Never called. Like this kind of thing, or with McKibben just asking for advi advice, or would you consider, hey, supporting this? I just gave this guy 10 grand. Like, uh, no response. It, it's, it's, it's such a, yeah, John Batchelor is, is good. Oh, thank you, Helen, uh, for books bought for students. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, but now what's, what's been really exciting the last couple of years is fossil fuel industry has people have become really aware of the stuff and I've gotten to speak a lot of the audiences and some of the companies are even changing how they communicate and what I always remember is that the difference between then and now the difference between then and now was that a couple of people and they weren't usually the highest level people became champions and they believed in it and they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and then once it got pushed and once people saw me speak then it 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 became top of mind for them, and that's part of it. These guys have so much going on. It's like some unknown guy emails you about some debate, and yes, I think they should be more proactive about that kind of thing. But it's it's a lot easier if you see a speaker, you know, if if you get engagement. But but the, every time you're taking a next level, you're going to the next level. It's super helpful to have a champion on your side. So uh, you know, read chapter one, decide do I want to be a champion for this, and then. We have a lot of insanely high leverage things you can do. You can get the book for students. You can recommend it to your favorite uh, shows and podcasts. You can recommend it to your favorite writers. And I, in a couple of weeks, I, I think we'll make it happen somehow. You know, when it, but 
But if, if you and others keep doing this, when it's, it's really big and you hear people talking about, they ask you, have you ever heard of that moral case for fossil fuels? And you smile. That'll be because of these kinds of actions, because of champions. It won't be because of people who are just lukewarm, because they don't do nearly as much. Um, so Nick says, the key thing I learned is this is not a mass giveaway. It is for young inquisitive people who asked for the book and are waiting to read it. Uh, yeah, definitely. But I would just add, it will be a mass giveaway for young inquisitive people who ask for the book and are waiting to read it. Because masses of young people, I believe, are inquisitive about this issue and they're excited by the idea that, hey, there is an alternative. All right. Uh, I'm going to sign off in one minute, so any any final thoughts or questions? If not, it has been pretty exciting to to try this format again. You know, feel free to. I think everyone knows how to contact me. Uh, thank you, Nick. Uh, much gratitude and encouragement. Uh, it's been yeah, it's been fun to do this format. I'm gonna. Feel free to email me or even comment here if you don't like it. That's fine. I'll still probably do it, but I want to know that. But I think if um, and we can give a lot more advanced notice, I'll probably do it again next Sunday at the latest, probably do it about Chapter 1. And I think the other thing I'm excited about just educationally is having that and bringing the students in on that. And I think I think we can have just some awesome discussions and build on a lot of the stuff that's in the book and that's on uh, Power Hour. So thanks, everyone, for coming. I'm Alex Epstein, and this has been Power Hour Live.